Welcome back to the Cyber Sector 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Reese, and on this episode, it's an episode dedicated to answering your questions. I've put several polls out and had several people DM me random questions these past few weeks. I know it's been about five weeks since I've had a regular episode, um, and I know that last episode is a little whack. So I uh, decided to go ahead and answer some questions, get some things out in the air, and uh, hopefully help you guys. I'm also going to be talking about uh, what to do if your social media account has been stolen. Because for some reason, I get a lot of people asking me that question. And, uh, you know, just genuinely curious people. Nothing, I'm not being derogatory here, but uh, just genuine curious people. So that's what this episode is about, and I hope you enjoy. Still holding strong to the water diet. Yeah, yeah, I just remembered, like, right after last week's episode, or week before last, that me and Ringmaster didn't even pop a can. Um, and there's a reason behind that. We had to record that several times, and in the final one, that actually recorded just fine, we forgot to pop a can, so it was like, fuck it, you know? I, I don't care as long as we got the recording. So I, I thought I'd bring that up this week just for you, but uh, we have we have quite a few topics to talk about. So I don't know how long this is going to be. Hopefully it won't be too long, um, but, you know, hey, if it is, it is. Our first question. Let's see. Are cloud servers better than dedicated servers? So I put some, some thought to this one. I had a lot of questions about the cloud and Docker and that sort of thing. So I kind of, I, I put a lot of thought to this and kind of made a, a checkpoint list here of what it would be better for and what it wouldn't be better for. So I'll, I'll kind of talk about it here. So for privacy, and I always talk about privacy, dedicated server, way better than a cloud server um, because you're your own host. And another thing is if you're your own host, you completely control it. So if you want complete control of your own server, then a dedicated server that you have, you know, in your closet or in your living room or in your own house, your garage, wherever, is your better option. Because um, you can control how much RAM you have, um, but or, or you can control your own CPU, storage, everything. Um, and the only cost to you is the server itself and electricity. But there is a caveat to that. You're also responsible for all of that. You have to pay for all that yourself. Whereas a cloud option for a server, or even I'll even use VPSs for an example. That's a virtual private server. You know, I, I even I'll personally use them like uh, some of the Google Cloud one, NextCloud or whatever. I don't think NextCloud has one. I'm not too sure on that. Don't quote me on that. But I do use Google servers for you know virtual private servers and whatnot. Because I can just spin those up and for free, you know, I can just create a new Google account and have complete free access to multiple VPSs, and I'll get about a year out of it. And if it's a VPS, you know, I don't really, I'm not gonna be using it very long. I'm just spinning up really fast, do something, turning it off, never thinking about it again. Um, but yeah, for privacy, dedicated all the way. For convenience, like I was saying, I can spin it up at any given time as long as I have an internet connection for a lot of times for free or for very minimal cost. So cloud all the way. 
Um, now, if you have your own setup at your own home, you you know there are ways you can do it where you can kind of make that like a cloud. You can, um, or all sorts of ways to do it. But you can tap into your own server from wherever and create your own little virtual machine if you know how to do that sort of thing. But if you don't, you're a little less experienced. A cloud server is better for you. I personally don't have that much experience with them other than the few NAS servers I've ran. Or um, I used to have a little virtual machine server that I had on my network that was just, you know, for whatever. It was on a Raspberry Pi. I just would spin up a little virtual machine or whatever. It'd run really, really, really freaking slow. Um, but yeah, for, for convenience, all the way. Cloud servers. Um, for, for lightweight VMs, cloud servers I would definitely go cloud server all the way unless you have your own virtual machine lab at your own home that you built from scratch you know then I mean that'll work too but you know the downside to that is price do you have 500 plus dollars to sink into something like that if you don't then cloud options are better for you now you could spend significantly less for something like that if you know what you're doing of course but if you're more of a beginner, you're more kind of new to it, I would go with the cloud option, unless you're concerned about privacy. Um, I am concerned about privacy, so I don't use as, you know clouds for as much as I would wish I could. Um, and I have to be careful with that too, what information I'm giving out, am I doing this over a VPN, etc., etc. Uh, for anonymity, really a dedicated or or cloud it, it really depends if you have your dedicated server set up where you're routing all your traffic through a VPN or through Tor then yeah you're you're I would assume you're pretty safe um, but it's easier to be more anonymous with a cloud option because you don't have to set that server up to do all that or route all your traffic through that way you can just turn on your VPN then connect to it it's a lot more simple um, but for anonymity, you know, it's just how you set it up. Now, price-wise, price-wise, I think we've already kind of talked about this. Cloud. Cloud is way cheaper for smaller projects like that. Um, or, you know, if you're trying to do your own lab setup, instead of going the cloud option, they're like, let's say if you're doing a, 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 a bitch load of VMs, um, you're constantly working within your own network and playing around that way uh, Then yeah a dedicated server with a bunch of VMs you can create your own small network of computers That would be a way cheaper option than a ton of cloud computers and then having to route them to each other I, I, I wouldn't even worry about the headache with that so but if you you know uh, cloud can be cheaper for large-scale projects like Let's say you're, for instance, I've even been thinking about having my own, building my own database that you guys could access. I'm not going to spoil anything because I don't know if I'm going to go through doing it yet. Um, it's a working project. But I was looking at having my own server versus storing fucking two terabytes of data in the cloud. And that gets really really expensive on both ends like if you have your own server you're responsible for it you got to build it if anything goes wrong you got the backups but if you're on the cloud if anything goes wrong it's not much you can do about it you know they have to handle that you have to contact support with them then you have to remotely tap into that and if it's a hardware issue you don't have to worry about it at all so and a lot of times depending on your cloud provider they'll make backups 
But if you're doing more large-scale projects like that, you know, it, it really depends how much data you're putting on. Um, and from my experience, it's it's as long as I'll be making money from that database that I'll be putting online, then it pays for itself. And I would rather have the dedicated server myself, but, you know, it is what it is. You really just have to depend on what you're doing. It You have to just think about it and start stop and break the price down per byte you know how what's what is it per byte that you're paying for uh for dependability and this is our last checkpoint i would go say personally 99.9 percent the cloud will be 99 percent more dependable than your own server because on the cloud that's their full-time job is making sure that doesn't go down they got people working around the clock to make sure your server does not go down. And if it does, they're on top of it ASAP. Whereas if you have your own server, let's say you take a vacation, the power goes out while you're gone, you're offline. And you're not going to know till you get back. Situations happen, emergencies happen, things like that. It just happens. You're not going to foresee it. And that's why I would rather, for dependability-wise be in the cloud a hundred percent i'd rather just be in the cloud it's more dependable now another question that was an interesting question uh do i like vodka well i've been on a water diet as you know but a few nights ago from the time i'm recording this i did cheat um and me and a friend drank a almost full bottle of pinnacle so hey is what it is. We mixed it with mon two or three different kinds of monsters. I did the fruit punch. And he did another one. It was in like a blue can. I can't remember, but it was... I'll tell you, it was bitching. It was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but, side question there. Uh, our, our next question. Do pen testers need to learn a programming language? I get this one all the time. Now, personally, I am not a... I wouldn't call myself a penetration tester. I'm an OSINT investigator. I do pen testing as a hobby. I like to play with systems and different tools and programs, just messing around with it. But from my experience, yes, you are going to need to learn a few languages. Now, it depends on what you're trying to hack, of course. Um, but for 99.9% .9 of things, you're going to have to have some knowledge of programming. Do you need to master the language? No. Do you need to be able to just spin up any kind of any program at any time with it i wouldn't say so um but you do need to understand it and be somewhat fluent in it in in the different programming languages i know this one's probably beat to death over and you hear this all the time but python is a great language uh, i have a friend uh who uses go a lot and he says that's a great first language to to learn especially if you're playing around with more hardware systems. I don't personally don't know a whole bunch about Go. Um, he's probably going to hear this and correct me on a few things. Um, but there are tons of languages to learn. And if you're doing things, let's say you're doing web-based hacking for like websites, a great tool or great language to learn would be uh, Python, of course. Because um, you do some web-based stuff with that, but like things like JavaScript. Um, CSS, HTML, that sort of thing. That's perfect because the web is built on that sort of thing. And of course, like Perl and Ruby, the web is built on that stuff. You don't see it as much now, um, but 
you still do see it. But most of the web runs on CSS, JavaScript, HTML. So a good firm understanding of how those programming languages work and what errors come out of those languages uh, when you write them wrong is going to be great for you if you're trying to like do web-based hacking. Uh, Network-based hacking, Python's a great one. Uh, C++ is a good one if you're getting down at like hardware, uh, C-sharp, that sort of thing. Um, like lower-end languages like that are wonderful for hardware. But, you know, it, it, like I said, it depends. You, to, to understand it, though, and to get into hacking, I would say yes, you do need to learn or at least have some knowledge of programming. Most of it you pick up along the way. Like, I have. I, I haven't ju ever just sat down and learned a language. I've just picked it up on the, along the way, and then I'll be like, okay, well, I need to learn how to do this. So I start Googling and figuring it out and watching YouTube videos and get a bit of an introduction to the language, learn how to write, do a few little things, and then I will accomplish whatever I was trying to do. And then you just you pick it up along the way. Well, so programming language-wise, I would learn it then get into hacking and then once you have a firm understanding of how programming languages work and basic syntax then you'll be able to pick more languages up along the way your first language is always the hardest because you're really drilling the syntax and how it works but once you put syntax aside and you get a firm understanding of the language itself picking a second or a third language up can be done in a weekend so it it, it just depends our next question is, for a pen tester, do you need to learn about Docker containers and cloud services? Um, yes, of course. You should be, as a penetration tester, as a hacker, as whatever in the tech field, it doesn't matter what it is, Docker containers, cloud services, VPSs, VPNs, virtual machines. Uh, you need to take time, like, like what I do on Fridays at work, I take an hour out of my work day, and of course my, my boss and everybody knows this, to just focus on new tools, new methods, new techniques to stay ahead of the game. If you're in cybersecurity, if you're in hacking, OSINT, any tech field at all, you should be learning about newer services. So when it comes to cloud services and Docker containers, the cloud is the future, man. As much as you want to say, well, well, I'll host it myself, you can go right ahead, be my guest. I will support you all the way. I host a lot of stuff myself, but everything is going cloud now. Everything you see on the internet is cloud. You know, that Chromebooks would not be so big if everything wasn't in the cloud. It's just a fact. So Docker containers, cloud services, yes, go ahead, learn them, learn as much as you can about them. Push yourself to learn these new technologies. That's what's important. You have to learn new technologies to stay ahead of the game. If you just stay on the basic, same old stuff, you're not going to get ahead. You're just going to be swept away by someone who is willing to learn these new technologies. Our next question. Now, this one I kind of did a, uh, a six-step program to. Now, this is the... Uh, what I was talking about after your accounts have been stolen. I know I get a lot of DMs on Instagram and Discord and people reaching out to me in all sorts of ways asking me, hey, what do I do if my account has been stolen? Um, now, first off, if you're DMing me that stuff and you're just trying to get me to hack someone else's account, I'm not going to do it and you shouldn't be trying to steal people's accounts. That's not what this is about. This is for informational purposes only. 
But what do you do after your account's been stolen and you've been scammed? Number one, okay, and just about every hacker will tell you this. Number one, contact customer support and report the issue. If you come to me and you haven't reported the issue already, there, what, what, what am I supposed to do, you know? You have to go ahead and report the issue, try to get in contact with customer support, and maybe they'll be able to get you your account back. Try to log in again, try to go through changing your password, um, and timing is key. If you just had it stolen, they may have not changed anything yet, so or changed the email on it yet, so you may be able to log in, get your password back, and fix the issue and get them logged out, or change your email to another email and log them out. Um, number two, do the hard thing, and this is way more important than people realize. You're just going to have to suck your pride up, do the hard thing, go ahead and make that awkward phone call or make another account and send a mass DM out to all your friends and family and let them know, hey, my old account's been stolen. If they DM you asking for anything or trying to talk to you, send you a link or whatever, or maybe even like with the sextortion incidents, a lot of times they'll steal your nudes and try threaten to send it to your family and friends. You let all of them know, hey, don't open any messages, don't pay attention to them, they stole my account, um, they hacked my account, they got my, my stuff, block them, ignore them, and pretend like that account doesn't exist. Number three, accept defeat. There's Once you lose your account, there is no magic marker or magic wand or, or hocus pocus or whatever. I know I said magic marker. Um... But there's no hocus pocus to just get the account back. You could try to fish it back from them, but that would be increasingly hard because these people are mass account stealers. They steal accounts in bulk, so fishing it from them isn't going to be much luck. You're not going to have much luck with something like that. So you're just going to have to accept defeat and move on. It, it, it's hard. I get that. It's, it's a, it, You don't want to do it. Sometimes we've had these accounts for years, but... Oh well, sometimes you just have to suck it up, Buttercup. You lost the account. You'll be smarter next time. You won't fall for it. Number four, start using 2FA. Two-factor authentication is beautiful. Now, if you, I would recommend getting an app like Google Authy or Authenticator or Authy or whatever, you know, whatever authenticator app that you so choose. If, like I know Instagram uses it, Facebook will use it, ProtonMail uses it now, uh, all sorts of Google services use 2FA. So use an app like that, and what it does is it will send that app a notification when you log in, and in that notification, it'll give you a, like a small six-digit number that you have to input to log in. So if you have the username, you have the password, you can't log in until you have that two-factor authentication code. So if someone did have your username and password, they would also have to have your 2FA code, which they don't have, so they can't log in even if they do have your username and password. Um, now, of course, when you use something like that, make backups. Make a backup of all your 2FA tokens because something's going to happen to your phone or whatever device you're using, which you could also use a physical device called a YubiKey, which works in like through your USB or NFC to log in. So you have to have, to have a physical device to log in. So that's pretty cool. And of course, you could do the same thing that tons of people do and just use your phone number, which I, I don't ever recommend because SIM swapping is a thing. So they could get your SIM card and talk AT&T or Verizon into handing over your 
account information, swapping it to a SIM card they have, and then they have your number, they can log into your account. We've seen that time and time again. So 2FA over a phone number is not recommended, but it's still better than nothing. So that's something. Uh, number five, a fifth step here is to remember. If it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So in these, a lot of times, these accounts are stolen via a DM. They get you to click a link and log in or hand over your username and password. And uh, something I think I am lucid even, he was almost hacked by a scam where they said get verified and send him a DM. That is dangerous. Don't respond to DMs like that. Don't do it. Just ignore it, block it, delete it, move on, go about your day. Uh, so whatever they say, whatever they try to tell you, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, and they're probably going to steal your account. And number six, never, 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 never click a link from a stranger in your DMs if it's someone you know that's sending you that DM and that link. Call them. Just call them and ask them, hey, did you send me this link? What is it? And they're like, oh yeah, dude, it's just some YouTube video or this cool website I found. It's got some interesting article I think you'd like. And then you're like, oh, okay. So that's, that is actually you. So there you have it. There you go. That is my six-step programming or blah, blah, blah. Can't speak. I'm not editing that out. Uh, but my six-step program to do after you've been scammed or hacked so uh i will start pointing all of you dmers asking me this question to this episode i hope this really does help you i wasn't trying to be derogatory or mean with that i know i can come off that way sometimes especially if you're new to listening to the show um and this is your first time listening i can come off like a bit of a douche sometimes that's just how i am that's just how i talk if you've been a long time fan of the show then you know that's just how I am or if you talk to me regularly uh, which some of you do you also know that's just how I am uh, but that's going to kind of wrap this episode up uh, it was a bit shorter than I thought it would be so that's just about the end of this episode if you'd like to support the show you can always go to my website read any of my articles a lot of these episodes are articles on my website so a lot of these episodes you can just read like the social engineering episode you guys love so much if you want to support the show in other ways you can always sign up for proton mail or proton vpn with the link in the description of this episode i do get a bit of an affiliate bonus from that but other than my affiliate bonus i don't get much i have been thinking about starting a patreon if that's something you guys would like to see please reach out to me if that's something you would like to do um but other than that this show it's you know, there's not a lot of ways to support the show. I do this out of just love for the community. So be safe, guys. I uh, hope you enjoy whatever you do. So go hack some things, hack all of the things, and hack the planet while you're at it. But of course, legally. Thank you for listening. I am out. Mm-hmm.